0: Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837, and FSP, dedicated to food service excellence. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us, If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents the Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, that Jesus was a wonder worker, a worker of miracles, is taken for granted in the Gospels. It's one of the most basic things that we know about him. Even objective historians who want to uncover what we know most clearly about Jesus will say, well, we know he was a preacher of the kingdom, we know he died on the cross, and we know that he was at least reputed to be a miracle worker. If you try to take the miracles out of the Gospels, you'd be cutting an awful lot of material out. Now, why does Jesus preach? Well, because he's the conveyor of God's truth. Why does Jesus go to the cross? To show the length and depth and breadth of the divine love. And why does Jesus perform miracles? Because he is the bearer of God's saving power. God's desire to save, and you know, that word just means to salve, to heal his people. Notice, please, that Jesus never performs miracles for their own sake to draw attention to himself, to get the the adulation of the crowds. Jesus' miracles are almost always expressions of a healing love. Listen now to our first reading from the always magnificent book of the prophet Isaiah. Say to those whose hearts are frightened, be strong, fear not. Here is your God, he comes with vindication with divine recompense he comes to save you then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf be cleared then will the lame leap like a stag then the tongue of the dumb will sing terrific isn't it terrific expression of God's desire to bring his people fully to life what God hates throughout the Bible are all those forces that limit our life. Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. He's expressing there the same desire that you can hear in the book of the prophet Isaiah. Jesus now, the embodiment of Yahweh's purposes, of course, clears the ears of the deaf. Of course, he opens the eyes of the blind. He's expressive of God's desire to save now, Jesus performed many miracles of healing. You know, in John's Gospel, it says he did so many things that not even the whole world could fill, could, could contain the books that would describe them. So how come the Gospel writers choose the stories that they choose? Here's a hint now from the church fathers. They tended to include those stories that had a deeper symbolic resonance. Now mind you, I'm not driving a wedge in a rationalistic way between what Jesus did and what it symbolizes. I'm not saying these are simply literary accounts that have a symbolic meaning. Jesus really did cure people of their blindness, and he really did cure people of their physical deafness. But, but, these actions had also a wider and broader spiritual sense. And that's why I think the Gospel writers included the ones they did. For example, the man born blind. Well, there really was a man born physically blind, but he's also evocative of all of us human beings, born blind in sin. So the story operates at many levels. I think in our gospel for today, we're very much in this same thought world. They bring a man to Jesus who is deaf and who has a speech impediment. Was there such a person? Yeah, undoubtedly, who was brought to Jesus with this physical problem. But, I would say, this story is told because there's a broader and wider symbolic significance. Jesus now has come back to his home country. He's come back to Israel after a little journey outside. In the New Testament, Jesus is the one who gathers the tribes of Israel. He's expressive of Yahweh's desire to bring back all the scattered tribes, to bring back all the sheep who have wandered away. So here's Jesus functioning as the gatherer of Israel. How so? He takes this deaf man with a speech impediment, and now he addresses the problem friends in the old testament israel is the people who've been privileged to hear the word of god we heard last week i talked about the law israel was the privileged people able to hear and to take in the law of god they are also in all the prophets and all the patriarchs and all the great figures israel is the people who's privileged to hear what God has to say. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Moses, Samuel, all these great figures were listeners, hearers of the Word of God. Think, too, in story after story in the Old Testament, this theme of hearing is so basic. Elijah the prophet stands in the mouth of the cave, do you remember? And he listens to that tiny whispering voice think how acute your hearing has to be to take in a tiny whispering voice he's symbolic there of Israel listening attentively to what God has to say think too of Samuel being called as a little child he hears that voice, Samuel Samuel, and first doesn't know who it is and finally Eli, his teacher tells him that is the voice of God you have to be very acute in your hearing to take it in Think of John the Baptist in the New Testament. He's in the desert, in the silence, the quiet, and there he listens for the word of God. Think of Saul of Tarsus galloping off to Damascus to persecute the church, and then a light overwhelms him, and then he hears a voice. All these figures are evocative of listening Israel, Israel who hears the voice of God. But you know, there's a problem, and you can see it throughout the Old Testament. Are there great figures who do hear? Yes. But at the same time, is Israel often deaf? Is Israel often deaf to the voice of God? Sadly, the answer is yes. Whom are they listening to? All kinds of other gods. All kinds of other influences. Maybe they're so attentive to the noises around them from their culture that they don't hear what God has to say. Or maybe they've just closed their ears. They don't want to take it in. It's too challenging. Time and again, God speaks, and Israel is deaf. Friends, what follows from deafness? Well, we see it here. What follows from deafness is a speech impediment. If you can't hear right, you can't speak right. I can speak English only because I was able to hear it from my parents. I was able to take it in, so now I can reproduce it. If you can't hear, your speech is also compromised. Israel, at its best, was a people able to speak clearly the Word of God. Moses, Isaiah, Samuel, Elijah john the baptist paul the apostle all these people at their best clearly enunciated pronounced the word of god that's because they listened good hearing leads to good speech but what goes wrong when israel does not listen it babbles it doesn't speak clearly It has a speech impediment. Mind you now, this figure in the gospel is a real person. Is Jesus really cured? Yes. He's also a symbol. He's also a symbol of Israel that has become deaf to the Word of God. Can't listen, won't listen. And as a result, has become awkward in speech, unable to articulate persuasively God's truth. So, what does Jesus do? I always love to watch the details of how Jesus cures, because I think symbolically they're always important. Listen now. Jesus took him off by himself away from the crowd. That first step is very important. What makes Israel deaf? Too much time in the crowd. Too much time listening to what everyone else is saying. Too much time lost in the cacophony of the culture. What Jesus does first is he takes this man, evocative of Israel, away from the crowd so that he can hear clearly what God's going to say. And listen. He put his fingers into the man's ears and spitting touched his tongue. Then he looked up to heaven and emitted a groan. He said to him, "Ephata," That is, be opened. All the details are rich. I think of this almost like the scene in the Sistine Ceiling. You know, when the finger of God is coming out and just about to touch the finger of Adam, it's as though an electrical force is passing from one to the other. So here, this deaf man kneels down before Jesus, and Jesus puts his fingers in his ears as if to re-establish a link between the divine power, the divine truth, and these ears that have become deaf. Jesus, as it were, electrifies his ears that he might hear. Spitting touches his tongue. The spittle of Jesus, St. Augustine said, is evocative of his divinity. The divinity of Jesus touches the ears of the man and touches the tongue of the man that he might hear and speak. Listen, Israel must be linked up once more to the electrical power of the Word of God embodied in Jesus Christ. When we are separated from that power, we don't hear and we can't speak. And that's why, Christians, we don't have the power that we should have in the midst of our fallen world. Notice, please, I've made a link now between Israel and the Church. The Church of Jesus Christ is the new Israel, this special people to whom God has spoken this special people who are now enjoined to speak clearly and articulately the word of god what must we do we must move away from the crowd whose cacophonous voices have too often blocked our access to the voice of christ and we must allow ourselves to be hooked up again to that electrical power of the Word of God, allow Christ's power to fill our ears. And then our voices will be clear and articulate and powerful. Our hearing will be restored. Our speech impediment will be dealt with. How much time are we spending in the village? How much time are we spending in the electrical presence of Jesus Christ, hooked up to his power? Are we allowing ourselves as a church to become deaf to his words? Have we allowed ourselves as a church to become inarticulate in the expression of his word? Ephata, be open. Let us as a church be open to the power of Jesus Christ, to hear it and to speak it. God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that, together, we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Most interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan. Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information, call 708-449-6100. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.